0: From Columbus, Ohio, welcome to Enter at Ney, a podcast for horse girls.
1: Where we get together to talk about all the things we love about horses and learn a little bit more about our horse friends in the world around us. So
0: come on into the tack room, pull up a chair, and let's catch up. So Beth, what's been going on with Pip in the last few weeks?
1: Well, we've had a long break in our training Um, So we've just been doing a lot of work on our own. We're trying to get ready for some shows we have coming up and I'm pretty excited about that. I'm trying this year to start doing um, USDF recognized shows. And so we've only ever done local schooling shows, um, you know, so those numbers. Don't really go anywhere where these ones, you know, they'll be attached to my name for as long as I'm a USDF member. So that feels <laughs> <Your>
0: permanent record.
1: <laughs> yeah, that feels intense. Um, but I have a show picked out and I'm pretty excited about that. And that's at the end of the month. Um, and then, you know, we've just been enjoying riding outside a lot. He has finally been on turnout, which I don't even know. If the last time we recorded that he was even being turned out on grass, he had like a long spell February to May where he was not on grass like at all because we were getting the pastures ready. Yeah. Um, So now he's finally out on grass and it changes things for him. He's a different guy. (laughs) <laughs> when he's out in the in the field regularly. Not that he's stalled. When he's not out on grass, he's not stalled. He has like a dry lot paddock that he gets to go in and wander around with his friends. Um, so it's not like a whole lot different, but just that he's not eating grass. Um, except for whenever I can hand graze him. So anyways, he's out on grass. He's very happy about it. We've been doing a ton of canner work by ourselves. Just Canner, 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 canner. And I don't really know why I got on that, but I am. And so that's been really interesting. And just trying to like touch up on some stuff that we've been working on. The last time we did have a lesson, I guess we haven't even talked since then on our mm-hmm. podcast, is the last lessons we did have, we had a clinic weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was offsite for the whole weekend. Pippin stayed at a different farm. And then we had a trainer in from Illinois, Martin Kuhn, um, who we ride with yearly or so um, for the last few years. And, yeah, we had the first day he was he was upset that there were other horses out grazing in the paddocks around the riding ring where we were. And they were being brought in. From those paddocks and they were being led past the outdoor arena where we were and he just could not handle it he had to watch what they were doing he could not (laughs) concentrate on riding he could not go around the ring and he you know over my seven years of riding him he gets like that and I usually like emotionally give up because you know you just keep trying to redirect him, redirect and redirect him and he he would not change. And so what would happen is I emotionally give up, and then the whole thing just kind of devolves, and that's it. That's the ride.
0: Yeah.
1: And this one I did not emotionally give up. And, of course, Martin dug right in with us and coached me through it, and eventually I did get him going around the ring. And, I mean, we worked the whole lesson. Mm -hmm. None of it was thrown away. We just didn't work on what I thought and planned we would work on. Um, So then going into the second day, I was like – no, man, we are not throwing away another lesson. So I lunged him beforehand, which I don't usually do. I haven't, I mean, maybe five years since I used to lunge him regularly before I rode him. But I was like, no, we're we're not doing this again. So I lunged <laughs> him to set us up for a good ride. And we went in and got a, a lot of work done the next day, which, you know, Martin had kind of said like, oh, I'm coming for you tomorrow kind of thing. So. <laughs> so I knew that he had plans to kind of work us hard the second day. So, and it went really well and it was really nice. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, on some level, I feel like I can work off of that training for a while because those are always harder lessons. And I'm really lucky. I have a friend that comes in videos when I do a clinic ride. So I have videos of the whole ride both days that I can go back and watch and remember what we worked on. and I think that's so important because it's so helpful
0: when you see that. It's like another, whole nother lesson.
1: And she does a good job. Yeah. Like at no point, I mean, she does the perfect amount of following and zoom in and zoom out. And the only thing that was a little tricky, which is totally my fault is we were having sound system issues. Mm, Yeah. So the first day I rode with my C coach and the second day I did have it plugged into the speaker. But then there was a weird delay where you could hear his voice and then the sound system was different. So that was not ideal.
0: I noticed that on somebody else's video that they posted. And I didn't know if it was just that person's video or if that's the way it was in real life.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know if that's how yeah. it was in real life. I don't really remember. I just, you know, since watching the video a couple times I've noticed it's been really pronounced.
0: Yeah.
1: Anna, what have you and Danny been up to? Uh,
0: And I'm truly was not intending to get emotional. So it's, it's been some, some stuff going on. Um, We got home from our vacation on the 17th of April. And I rode on the 18th and 19th and um, didn't ride very much because I'd been gone for three weeks. And, um, uh, but Danny had been weird the week, the last week we were on vacation. um, My farrier contacted me to let me know that he couldn't put his hind shoes on. And then I got home and um, with the help of some, dermacidin gel, which is like a mild sedative. He was able to get his shoes on, on like the third day I was back from vacation. And then the next morning, the day crew, um, basically let my barn owner trainer know, and then she let me know that he had not eaten his grain the night before. And, um, just had like strewn hay all around his stall, had not touched his hay our, my vet was, was coming out to see another horse. And so I went on out and, um, you know, she, she kind of laid eyes on him. We'd turned him out in the indoor ring and, and he, he seemed fine. Uh, but then he started acting a little weird. So she ended up doing a full exam and, um, doing a, she did a rectal and didn't really find much there. And, and she, she tubed him and I think found a little bit of reflux and, um, Um, And did, I forget what they do, um, cast some sort of oil, mineral oil into their belly um, and gave him a dose of banamine. And I kind of hung out with him and and he seemed to be getting a little bit better, more comfortable. Um, And he didn't, he had a borderline fever. It was like 101.5, which like that's the highest of a normal, the normal range I think is 101.5. Um, and so I left and came back a few hours. And when I came back, he was worse. He was like trembling, but it was a slow tremble. It was like a, I don't know how to describe it. He just was uncomfortable for sure. And he was stretching on his own in his stall, which he doesn't do that. And he was trying to paw and lay down and and he doesn't do that usually. So we took him to OSU and, um, he ended up, uh, out of the gate, basically testing positive for salmonella which is caused by the salmonella bacteria. And he was hospitalized for two weeks. He progressed pretty quickly into full blown disease where he had, um, uh, fire hose diarrhea every 10 minutes for about five days. Um, his temperature, uh, went up really high. Um, he thrombosed at one of the IV sites and they had to pull the IV and and start one on the other side. Um, he was borderline endotoxic meaning he was starting to show, show signs of endotoxemia. His, his gums got dark red, um, and the fever was really high. And, um, I mean, he, he almost died and there was a, there was definitely a point when, um, they prepared me for that, and um, I'm super thankful to um, the horse girls in my life because they really carried me through. Yeah, we've got a
1: good group chat, don't we? <laughs> we really
0: do, and um, and Beth, you're definitely one of them because there was a day that I just needed to go through some of the worst-case scenarios, and, and you really helped me with that. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful to you, but I'm really grateful to that entire group of, of friends and, um, and even just all of, you know, people, some people I don't even know on Facebook that reached out to me and, um, commented on posts, um, or, you know, sent me texts. Um, it was, it was really nice to, to feel that energy. And, um, even during some of the darkest parts of it. Um, but sort of, um, halfway through, uh, there was a a turning point and I think it really had to do with this technique called healthy fecal transfer where they take um, poop from a healthy horse and make like a poop suit basically and, and tube it into the horse. And the idea is that it, it helps um, stop the diarrhea by introducing healthy bacteria back into the gut. And within about 24 hours of them doing that, his symptoms improved. Um, on the day that, that I truly thought like, um, Dr. Schroeder basically said, this is it, you know, he's got a, you know, if he makes it through tonight, then we've got a good chance, but this could be it. Um, the next day he was like, well, he, he hasn't gotten any better, but he hasn't gotten any worse. And that was the turning point. And, A couple of days later, um, his second IV site started to get a little um, thick. So they went ahead and pulled it. But they also said he was starting to drink. He was starting to eat on his own. He was still having diarrhea, but it was slowing down. And then by Saturday, um, that was like four days, five days later, I was able to go see him. And and then over that weekend, he improved um, greatly enough to where I could he was discharged and he's now at an isolation barn. Um, And
1: well, and that happened pretty quickly. Yeah. Like you were genuinely surprised the day that he was allowed to leave.
0: Yeah. Um, And I think from their point of view, they're just like, they know it's expensive and they know that, um, you know, horses are going to do better when they're not. I mean, he was in an isolation Stall that was twelve by twelve, no windows um white walls um you know he's not seeing any other horses he's not he's he's getting human interaction you know when they come in to check him, but he's not yeah, getting for required his care not yeah yeah, and you know they they know that that's that's not the best healing environment for a horse, so once the diarrhea got under control, they were like, you know, get out. (laughs) His, you know, his fever was gone for several days in a row. He was hydrating on his own. He was starting to eat. And they were like, we're, you know, you're out. (laughs) And um, thankfully, uh, I was able to get him to an isolation barn. And that's where he is now.
1: How Um, long has he been there?
0: He's been there. What are we on? Not quite a month, maybe just about a month right now. I mean, as far as like, it was a couple of days into May, and now we're a couple of days into June. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has to stay there until he tests negative, until his feces test negative um, five tests in a row. So five days in a row and and that's a whole thing. But um, I I started submitting samples early last week and he's, he's already had a positive. So I have to restart the, the series, um, but that's kind of expected. The average for them to expel the bacteria completely is about 45 days. Um, he also had a negative on one of the submissions. So that means that he's not carrying quite the bacteria load that he was when he was having all the copious diarrhea, you know? Um, and, you know, and this week we've got a couple of weird symptoms going on last late last week. I noticed that he wasn't been taking his head down to the ground to graze. And we think that has to do with, the courting of the the thrombosis. Um so we're addressing that. But um yesterday I was a little over the edge when um my vet, you know, kinda talked me through what what some of the possibilities were. But then in talking with um Dr. Schroeder at OSU, he was kinda like, I, I still feel very confident that, you know, we're gonna we're we're getting you guys through this and, you know, your your horse is gonna be back to being your horse, you know, by the end of summer. So you know, I was just like, I I don't care if he's not my horse until November, as long as he's, you know, I want him to test positive. I want him to get healthy. And then if it, you know, then we move on to the next phase, which is rebuilding. And, and so, so that's kind of where we are. <laughs> that's what's been happening with me.
1: It's been last, a lot.
0: It has been a lot. And, um, you know, again, I'm really grateful to everybody for their support and energy. Um, I truly think that, you know, at one point when I was just like, you know, please, <laughs> whatever you got, send it, you know, I don't know if it helped. I don't, I don't know if it didn't help, but I mean, it helped me. So, <laughs> um, I, I was really lucky in that I had sort of a, uh, I have a barn friend who is a tech and she was sort of, under the radar, sending me photos and videos. And at one point I sent her an audio, um, like a voice recording of me talking to Danny and, and she, she played it for him and she said his ears pricked up. And then, um, me getting to see him, I think was a big help for me anyway. I don't know if it helped him or not, but (laughs) I want to think that it did. Um, and so now, you know, the, the hard part now is that I'm, his sole caregiver. So it's twice a day, every day, 30 minute drive, both directions. And then about a couple of hours that I'm there with him. So that's, you know, a minimum of about six hours every day split, you know, so like right now I'm home, but then at 530, I'm going to head out again. And, um, yeah, so that that's been rough because that's every single day without end.
1: And takes a toll on everything. It does.
0: I I can't imagine if I had kids, how I would be able to do this or a regular nine to five job, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, for We're sure. Very grateful, so, so Danny still needs the good vibes, the positive thoughts, all the love and light that you can spare. So we will take it. We will yeah. take it. But luckily, improving. Yes. Yes. Luckily. Cautiously optimistic at this. Yeah,
0: time. I, that's that's a good way to put it. I definitely would say I'm cautiously optimistic. So. I think Dr. Schroeder's probably more optimistic, but that's because he has however many years of experience.
1: Yeah, seeing horses go through this. Yes. So,
0: Beth, what have you been looking at on the internet this week?
1: So, I don't even know how I got to this place, but there is a TikToker, and I'm not even on TikTok. (laughs) I love it. But he went a little bit viral with these goofy videos where he sings, like, he produces and sings a whole song about internet drama.
0: <laughs> oh, does he have, like, a voice thing,
1: too? Like yeah. Like a Yeah. Yeah. Auto-tune. Yes. Um, and anyways, he's really lovely. His name is L-U-B-A-L-I-N. So I pronounce it Lubalin. I don't know if that's how it's supposed to be pronounced, but... Um, He has a bunch of them. He has like five or so last I checked but one of his newest ones which I was so excited to find is um, a text message series back and forth between two people in which one of them insists they have a 15,000 pound horse (laughs) and the other person's like that is not possible like the record weight of a horse is you know like a fifth of that right. So they're like, "No, I don't think that's how much your horse weighs." And the person's like, "You don't know my horse. Like you don't, you don't know it's fifteen thousand pounds." And anyway, so he sings this drama, this text message series between these two people about the fifteen thousand pound horse. And I think it's so funny. Like it is so super funny. Um, so, and you know, all of these are on YouTube. Because it it went viral. And so that's funny. um, I'm going to include the YouTube link to the 15,000 horse pound or pound horse (laughs) internet drama (laughs) song. Um, And you know, it's just perfect horse people. Yeah. You know, like someone else trying to tell you about your business and and you may have no idea but you insist that you're right. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. So, highly recommend that. Laugh it up. Watch love, it more than once like me.
0: I love TikTok. I love um and you know, sometimes the the videos are always, you know, or whatever you want to call them, the TikToks are great, but the comments, sometimes the comments are even better. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and so I'm not party to the comments, but he has a song about, you know, a woman posts that this other woman's, you know, the worst or something, and then her friends are commenting, like, defending her, and, oh, what did she do, and she stole a broccoli casserole recipe and claimed it was hers, and <laughs> the song, the beat is amazing, like, it's stuck in my <laughs> head all the time. I just watch it and laugh and laugh.
0: That's um
1: so yeah, he's he's oddly my favorite artist right now. And, uh, <laughs> and he made a horse video. So perfect. Perfect. What's your internet thing this week? So
0: my internet thing this week is, well, you know, I, I sometimes go on to Chronicle of the Horse. I used to do it like almost every day I would log on to Chronicle of the Horse because it was like, mm-hmm like US news <laughs> like it was like CNN or something for horse people. It was so it and it, it is, you know, it, it's kind mm-hmm. of like that. Um and I used to go onto the forums and, and I think I stopped that a few years ago. I just got get too busy. But with everything going on, I had have been searching on their forums for various things. And it is truly an amazing Resource of information. Um, their forums are really good, um, so I I highly recommend. And it's free to join them, and it's there also really is. nice during like the upcoming Olympics. It's nice because there people will be live chatting during some of the broadcasts. So I highly recommend Chronicle of the Horse, which I think it's like c o t h or something. Yeah, um, and then. Thehorse.com, which I know is one that you have shared, um, like, in our group texts for information. They have, they do have really good, well-researched and simple articles when somebody's yeah. trying to look at something. So you do have to join them. But, again, it's free. After, like, so many searches, they start, like, saying, nope,
1: you got to join. So, so that's it. Sounds it sounds like I- you recommend setting up an account on those.
0: Yes, yeah, because it's free. So why not?
1: Yeah. This week we have Dr. Michelle, and we need to check with how to say her last name. I always say it, Bucci. So we are inviting Michelle on. <coughs> She's going to talk to us about starting out as a horse girl and becoming a horse pro. Um, and Michelle is a veterinarian who does acupuncture and chiropractic work on horses and dogs. Anna, do you want to start us off by talking about your experience going from horse girl to horse pro?
0: I wasn't on the same trajectory by any means as what um, what she is. I, I mean, I worked in corporate healthcare for years and then decided to do something less stressful (laughs) and went to massage therapy school and became a human massage therapist um, about six years ago. And then a few years ago, I expanded into equine massage. And man, last year in 2020, that really just became my sole source of income. And, um, you know, if it was more consistent because it tapers off during the winter fall and winter but if it was more consistent boy I would love that to be my sole <laughs> source of income but um, so that that's really it and it, it has kind of felt like a like a dream come true I guess because sometimes I'm amazed that I get to st- Stand with my hands on a horse and help the horse feel better, and at the same time be talking with I mean let's face it, the majority of horse people are women, so all these other horse girls about our horses you know for hours at a time and get paid for it um, it's it's kind of it's kind of nice, so that's my experience. What about you?
1: I am happily not. A horse pro <laughs> um, my profession of course is in k-12 public schools <laughs> yeah um so yeah I and I don't even know that I thought about it because before I was even involved in horses my parents kind of emphasized we don't do our dreams for work like I was always told that. And so, you know, it was kind of set up very early on that I wasn't going to do something like that. Um, I did consider going to a college that had like an IEA team or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. but the one I ended up really liking didn't have that. And so I decided, I think in seventh or eighth grade, that I wanted to be an English teacher. And I've just kind of stuck with that ever since. And I am licensed to teach English Uh, I tweaked it a little bit to be a school librarian when I was in college. Um, So, yeah, I basically kind of operated within what my parents told me. And, you know, when I I have all these different horse professionals that I work with, and, you know, their work's interesting, and I appreciate them, but I also think, like, this looks hard, and I'm not sure I would ever want to do that. So big props to all of you who... Yeah, take the risk and go out and do it because I don't know that I could. Yeah,
0: I got a deeper understanding of this, obviously, over the last whatever, several weeks. But a girl at my barn who works at OSU um, as a vet tech, she has always said and she works at the hospital and she works night shift. And she has always said that she does so she does tuck in at the barn two nights a week, you know, so she fees, hays, waters, checks, everybody, you know, kind of tucks everyone in at night. Mm-hmm. And she has said the reason she does it is because she has to be around some healthy, happy horses to balance out what she sees at work. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have an understanding of that because The last few weeks when I go and work on horses, again, it's just being able to be around that vibrant, healthy energy of the horses and the people. It's very comforting and and, um, it's necessary for sure. So, yeah, props to those people that, you know, to the vets, to the techs, to the therapists, you know, even the saddle fitters, because that can get, you Mm -hmm. know, hairy, I'm sure, dealing with owners, too. So
1: Well, and... You know, I remember different instances with my saddle fitter over the years and feeling like her probably feeling like my horse wasn't healthy. And that was causing some of the issues, but it's not her job to tell me like, hey, (laughs) your horse has some issues that need to be sorted out.
0: Yeah, got some top line to work on.
1: (laughs) Now that we finally figured it out, she's very happy. We just saw her a week ago everybody, we have Dr. Michelle Bucci joining us. She is a solo veterinarian with her own practice, Turning Point. Is it Turning Point Equine? Turning Point? It's,
2: it's a long name. It's like Turning Point Integrative Veterinary Care. I just call Ooh. it Turning Point Vet.
1: Turning Point Vet. And and Dr. Bucci works on um, chiropractic and acupuncture for horses and dogs. So, welcome to Enter It Nay. Yay! I'm so excited.
2: I'm a (laughs) long-time listener, first-time podcaster.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And our topic today is going from horse girl. So you grew up riding with your mom, right?
2: Yes, definitely. From a very young age.
1: So horse girl to horse pro, um, because you get paid to work with horses now. So that's what makes you a horse professional in my book. And so we have a bunch of questions for you. And what we want to start out with is talking about your work and your profession. So um, if you could tell us a little bit about what you do and what an average workday looks like for you.
2: So I spend time in in equine practice and in small animal practice. And then currently um, I just do, it's probably mostly 80% horses, um, but doing acupuncture and chiropractic appointments. Um, The thought being that if I focus on that, then it's easier for people to get those appointments. And then it's also the other vets can have more time to do the other stuff. And I'm not getting bogged down by doing the other stuff and being able to provide that care. Um, A typical day is just me driving around. I try to cluster the appointments in the same areas. I don't always do a good job. Um, So it's just me driving along a lot um, to get to horses. Sometimes it's a barn, sometimes it's an individual person and just working on whatever is going on. So sometimes it's horses that have a lot of pain. Sometimes it's just uh, show horses with like maintenance stuff. Um, Where they're like, yep, we just want them feeling their best. Other times it's, you know, after injuries or illnesses, a lot of horses with like EPM, we definitely recommend those get acupuncture to help maintain their neurological function. It's different every day, but it's the same every day. It's like the same like small wedge of medicine, but it's definitely a different day because all the horses are individuals. And so, you know, they all have their preferences. Some of them like acupuncture, some of them like chiropractic mom don't like any of it. <laughs> but they all feel better at the end, so it works out.
0: At what what point in your like life did you decide I want to go to that school and then, <laughs> you know, then sort of similarly like when you were in that process when or how did you decide like this is what I want to focus on, which I know you just kind of touched on, but like when yeah. did that kind of inspiration happen?
2: When I was growing up everybody's that I was going to be a vet. So obviously I did not want to be a vet uh, because I don't like doing what everybody says I'm going to do. <laughs> it's kind of ornery. Initially went to school to be a physical therapist because I had worked and volunteered at like hippotherapy places. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I um, quickly figured out when I went to school, one of my first year of college where I was like, oh, I liked the horse part of it, not the physical therapy part of it. Cause I had done like undecided health sciences. And so they were like respiratory therapists and like physical therapists and occupational. I was like, oh, I don't like any of these. That's <laughs> so I worked my first summer after my first year of college, I worked at a small animal vet clinic. And, uh, if you've ever worked at a small animal clinic, it's hectic and it's crazy. Sometimes there are a lot of grumpy owners, grumpy people working. And I decided, I'm like, you know what? I got yelled at a lot. And I still loved going every day. (laughs) I think this might be where I, you know, where I should go. And I still was a bit stubborn because when I was in vet school, they're like, it's too competitive to be a horse vet. You can't be a horse vet. Like there aren't any jobs. It was funny because when I was going through, I would like really just only retain like the horse stuff. And i'd had a professor when i did clinics he was an orthopedic surgeon and he was like hey tell me this anatomy about the dog i was like is it the same as a horse and he's like yeah and i'm like i got it i know that <laughs> and i'm like is it not the same and he's like yeah it's not the same and i'm like i don't know <laughs> so like all the horse stuff really just stuck and all the other stuff you know didn't stick as well and so i decided to be a horse vet, basically um, as I decided to be a vet and then I decided to be a horse vet when I was in vet school mm-hmm. um, because I'm like I don't care what people say I'm gonna do what I want and which is like the story of my life and so I didn't they didn't have a lot of like integrative therapies in vet school so we didn't really learn or talk about it a lot at the time it was kind of a novel thing um, but I was really exposed to it when I went on job interviews because I'd i go somewhere and they would make a point to say, like, hey, we're doing an acupuncture treatment because we do that and we we'll want to make sure, you know, the person we hire is on board with it. And it was amazing. There would be horses that were just so painful and grumpy and you couldn't touch them and you put, you know, a handful of needles in and after their treatment, they're just so lovey and happy and just like a completely different animal. I was like, well, this is just amazing. I'm going to have to start doing that next. So I'd always intended on doing it, but it took me a little bit more time after I graduated to, to start the acupuncture. And it was just like phenomenal to watch, like all the, all the animals just like get better, you know, especially when it's, you know, dogs that are on all the medicines and there's nothing else and they can't walk and you're like, Oh, we'll just do a few acupuncture treatments. And they're like, Oh my god, they're better. Um, so it was just more like amazing to watch their transformations, I suppose. And so I had started my own practice and I was just doing acupuncture and then everybody was like, Oh, you just do acupuncture oh, you don't, you don't do chiropractic. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm just a vet and I just do acupuncture. <laughs> um, so I got, I'm tired of it because I had planned on doing the chiropractic, but I planned on doing it later. And, um, we have at the time we had two kids and I knew that my husband would not let me leave to get my chiropractic certification when we had three, cause I had to go to Texas five times. Um, oh. so I was like, I kind of convinced him to like step up the chiropractic plan and he was like, okay. And now that we have three kids, he's like, that was a good choice. You cannot leave (laughs) bananas here. So yeah, that I kind of like fell into the chiropractic and they just go so well together that it's just like changed completely everything Uh, about how I look at horses, how I watch them move, how I think about their behaviors, even Um, it's kind of just, you know, changed everything in the way I look or think about a horse. So
1: that's super interesting. I can't imagine like that change. So Michelle, the next thing is any advice for horse girls who want to grow up to be horse pros.
2: Yeah. So uh, usually when I meet people and they want to be a horse, but I try to talk them out of it.
1: <laughs> Just like everyone tried to talk you out of it.
2: Yeah. Exactly. So my thought process being like, if I, try to talk you out of it and tell you all the awful stuff, you know, like, Hey, is, do you like working holidays? Do you like working weekends? Do you like never having a vacation? Um, and they still want to do it, then they're, they're going to make it happen either way. Um, so usually I just try and talk everyone out of it. Um, my advice is usually just to, if there's something you want to do to to follow someone who does it, um, I usually, when they're like, I want to be a horse vet, I want to follow you for a day or two. I'm like, I am not a good person to follow for a horse vet. because Number one, I have the best job. And uh, number two, I, you know, it's probably this like tiny little wedge of what a horse vet is versus I would tell them like, go follow someone else who, you know, does all the dirty work. I just get to do the fun stuff. Um, but do you know, somebody who does the colics and does the, you know, horses with injuries and stuff like that and, and follow every aspect of it um, so that you know what you're getting into because that's always the worst when you get in so far into something that you can't even you know you don't have a backup plan and then you realize you don't like it um so i try and convince them to to shadow someone to follow someone to really get the the dirty view of it basically Um, because it is definitely not all puppies and kittens and and fun stuff it is a lot of (laughs) a lot of not fun stuff and then the other part is just you know once you've gone and looked and you've decided yep this is what I want to do just do it just do whatever you need to do you know whether you need to follow a bunch of people whether you need to take an extra class whether you need to boost your GPA or you know whatever it takes to just to just do
0: it that's good advice. Cause it is, I, I mean, it's, it's very competitive too, to get into vet school. So, cause there's only, are there only like 11, I think vet colleges in the U.S. maybe.
2: I want to say a while ago there were like 20, but it's definitely more competitive than like medical school.
0: Right. Um
2: because there are a lot of medical schools and they're, I mean, it's hard because they like pop up with new vet schools all the time. And then that's scary because you're like, hope that program lasts." last. <laughs> right. We definitely have a shortage of vets. So now my, I've talked people out of it a little bit less because every <laughs> clinic needs help and, you know, every, everywhere is looking for someone. So we do need more vets.
0: Well, let's, we're going to shift gears a little bit and we get to talk about other stuff that's not your work. So mm-hmm um tell us about either a favorite horse that you had over the years or your current horse and if that's both that's fine
2: (laughs) i had a lot of favorites growing up so i started um riding by myself when i was three and so we did everything (laughs) we did pony club we did 4h we did 100 jumpers we did trail rides you know it just i mean not everything that you could do in an english saddle basically
1: um, That's awesome.
2: And so there were a lot of really good ponies, and a lot of not good ponies, and a lot <laughs> of really good horses, and you know, so less less naughty horses because you know you don't have as kind of stick with a horse by then. Um, my horse that I have now, we actually, when I was, I don't remember what age. Now I'm getting to that age where I don't know what age things happen. <laughs> uh, when I was in high school and. I was doing like three foot hunters and my horse couldn't go any higher and I wanted to go higher. So we're like, we'll just breed a horse, which is stupid because by the time he was two, I went to college and I'm like, well, that's just dumb. (laughs) So we bred a horse and he was born when I was in high school and I still have him. So he's eight and 18 now, but then he had really inconsistent training because I was in school for eight years. And so I, I think I got him back when I was a senior in vet school. And so I've kind of had him then and his consistency of training has not changed. Um, (laughs) Three kids and then work. And so I probably on a good week, I ride once a week and I probably take a lesson every two months, (laughs) (laughs) but he is, he's a good soul and he tries really hard. Uh, but yeah, if anybody wants to half-lease a horse, because uh, I don't ride enough. But no, he I would say he's my favorite horse just because he's, you know, the adult one that I've had as an adult who keeps me sane, you know, when you have those days where you just need to go to the barn and ride something. So he is a, oh, what is he? He is a 18-year-old, 16-something. I don't think we've ever sticked him, like 16-something thoroughbred gelding. And he's got uh, delicate chestnut skin and white legs. <laughs> so he always needs his legs washed so he doesn't get that scurf. He always needs to be groomed so he doesn't get rain rot because he's just a, a delicate flower.
0: <laughs> Aww. What's
2: his name? Oh, yeah, he has a name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when he was born, and my mom's like, Name him. And I'm like, He's just this little squishy blob, you know, that just like pops Aww. out and it gets those. A squishy feet. So he is out of Salmon Boy and Hope Unlimited. So I named him Sammy. I call it, we now that he's an adult, his name is Sam. But when he was a baby, he was <laughs> baby. Now he's Aww. he's more important. He's a little bit more mature. His name is Sam. Yeah. His I think his registered name is like Reserve Funds or something stupid.
0: Did you get that. to see him born? Or just within, like, minutes of being born, basically? I, th-
2: I don't think I saw him come out. Because, so at the time, we had, like, the full camera. And it was, like, all about, you know, because I think it was, like, 16 or something. And so we had the full camera and the, like, monitor. And you could tell she was really restless the night before. So I stayed up all night to watch. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch this baby. She's going to have the baby. And I'm going to watch it. It's going to be amazing. And so... In the morning, I think my mom had gone out to do something in the barn and she jokingly is like, go, oh, just go leave me alone go over there and have that baby. And I had fallen asleep on the couch cause I stayed up all night waiting for the baby. And so she comes pounding on the door cause she's like, she's having the baby. And so I more got there when he was just out and fully out, but he still had some of the like placenta stuff on him and stuff like that. Yeah. So he still had the squishy feet, thankfully. Because uh, I feel like oh, that's wow. the experience with foals is you got to experience the like
0: yeah squishy,
2: yeah, squishy jelly feet. But no, he was so super weird. adorable. And then, uh, yeah, we've just owned him the whole time. I think his mom was 17 hands. They always say the first foal is like pretty small, but he is like 16, two or three. So
1: he's
2: really big. I
1: don't know. <laughs> what is your favorite thing about Sam? <laughs> I don't know.
2: I like that he's fairly low maintenance for thorough, but he's got good feet. So the farrier, he's just because, so I don't only go out to the barn, he's boarded, and I probably only go out once a week if there's time. And so he, everything is that's on autopilot as much as possible. So he's got good feet, and the farrier comes out every six to eight weeks, and he just comes out and stands in the crossfades and gets his feet done, and I don't have to be there. I really like that he's just the same horse all the time. I always joke that I'm not a mare person. Like I, I couldn't deal with the attitude. And so like, if you don't ride him for six months, he's pretty much the same horse as if you rode him like three days ago. So he's, you know, not going to do anything crazy. I mean, he's still not going to go on the bit and, you know, he's he still requires training and stuff. But like, as far as his temperament, he's pretty even keel and he's always the same. My other favorite part is he's really nice to my kids.
1: <laughs> so
2: uh, I have all little kids and they're, six four and one and so he's always been he's never been like freaked out about the stroller because you know i'd take the stroller and go ride him and he's never like you know you're just like pushing the stroller and leading him you know with his bridle and stuff like that and he's always really sweet when they give him treats and you know they're like oh my gosh he stuck his whole my whole hand in his mouth and you know i mean they could just stick a whole arm up there and he wouldn't bite them and stuff like that oh. unfortunately he's not good for them to ride because he's Afraid of messing up, I think. And so if I put one of them on him, unless I'm leading him, he won't go anywhere. <laughs> so I'm like, let's try like steer. And he just he won't move because he's like, I'm not screwing this up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> These are he babies sounds kind of ideal.
2: Of <laughs> he yeah. is a wee boy. He tries really hard.
1: Pretty ideal for your stage.
2: <laughs> for basically not getting any love and attention. <laughs> <laughs> Every little maintenance and- that just requires attention, and I think he just wants me to come out more. Like, you uh-huh. get cellulitis, and you're like, oh, this isn't like this doesn't need surgery, it doesn't need like you know, it's not like a colic, and it's not like a you know, quick thing. It's like, I want you to come out twice a day and pull close my leg, or give me cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> what's been like a an aha moment in your? your equine journey?
2: I I think I had an aha moment as far as like, that I wanted to work with horses when I was a teenager. Cause I, I mean, I just rode and I'm like, Oh, I'll just do some other job. I'll, you know, be a physical therapist. I'll, you know, work somewhere else and all this stuff. But when he was a foal, actually, he got an abscess on his leg and we live, I'm from Louisville um and so he we went down i think to rude and riddle so he had an abscess on his leg and finally you know is this on his front front left i think um and our vet was like hey you should take him to rude riddle because he was finally lame on it and stuff like that and so they i got to sit on his legs so basically they lay him down they sit ate him and lay him down and they were gonna lance this abscess and i got to sit on his front legs while they lanced his abscess and it was the most amazing thing that has ever happened in my life because it was just like two cups of just like mayonnaise looking stuff come out and I'm like yep I want to work with horses
0: wow <laughs> I'm
2: like this is it for me I don't know how your job can get any cooler if you get to do this all
0: day <laughs> You're like Doctor Pimple Popper. You're like, oh yeah. yeah, get in there.
2: Oh, there's nothing better than Doctor Pimple Popper. My kids started <laughs> watching her too. So oh he my gosh. This. <laughs> but my husband can't watch it. <laughs>
0: so you know, it's. Me. I think that show is amazing, and it's. I think it's the stories about the patients that makes it okay to then watch the technique because you like get a little invested in it too. You know, you're like, yes, Oh, I don't get watch it. the story
2: at all. I just watch like <laughs> a little snippet where they're like going at their face or, you know, getting that like boil or that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm surely watching it for the like. The action, action.
1: shot. Yeah, the action, action. The money portion. shot. Oh, and, like, I don't care who it is
2: because people are gross. I don't want to get that because if I know who it is, I'm going to be like, Oh, that's really sad. <laughs>
1: Well, so what would be one of the harder things you've had to learn in your equine journey?
2: I think the hardest thing is being patient. So especially when I was younger with horses, I would get really quickly and easily frustrated when they like wouldn't hold still or, you know, they're just moving around and being silly. And I would just be like, oh my gosh, you're just being a jerk, (laughs) you know, and be like, oh gosh, this horse is so stupid. You know, just because of me being immature and being impatient. Um, and it actually took, it took probably until I went to vet school and dealt with a lot of other horses to realize that like, sometimes as a person, you have to stop and take a breath, like take a step back and take a deep breath and like, think of it from an entirely different angle. Cause most of it's just like them being nervous or scared and stuff like that. And it That has, um, it's usually the hardest part because I'm just like one of those younger generation of instant gratification, at least. You know, the internet did happen a little bit when (laughs) when I was a teenager. And so, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. I just, I want to get it done. I want to fix it. You know, that sort of stuff. I want to see the results right now. And the hard part is just being... Patient. So patient during that moment when they're getting their treatments, patient with my own horse and his, you know, inconsistent training patient with, you know, the patients and their progress. So a lot of times they'll come back for their next appointment and I'll be so, I'll be like, how is it? And they're like, yeah, there's no, there's no difference. Um, and I feel like crushed. I'm like, oh my God, it's not better. I'm the worst. Like I'm doing a horrible job. Like, this isn't working. They shouldn't even bother, like, I shouldn't even bother treating animals because it's not better after one treatment. And so it's really hard for me to, I have to take a step back and be like, just give it a few treatments. And then, you know, like, I think one of the longer patients it took, I have a, a dog patient that was, he didn't walk. He had a back injury and he didn't walk for a year. And so he did physical therapy for a year. And so it took six months of acupuncture every other week, but then he walked, but it's so hard, like that whole six months of being like, oh my gosh, he's not walking yet. Oh my gosh, he's not walking yet. To just be patient and wait and have some confidence in myself that it is going to work. I just need to chill out.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Take chill it's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. I, I hear you when I work on horses sometimes and the, you know, I'll ask you know, for feedback on how they were the next day or if they saw a change. And if the person's like, yeah, I just like every other massage session, he's fine. <laughs> he was a little sore. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks. But then, you know, balance that with, you, I think you'll have to balance that with all of the excellent feedback that you get, you know, when, when people say, oh my gosh, he moved so much better. Or he was so much freer, or like, you know. I can now turn him to the right, and he's not getting angry or whatever, you know.
2: Well, I think I think as owners too, it's really hard for an owner, including myself, to see when things are better too. Yeah, that's always different because I'll ask, be like, "How is it? How are they doing?" They're like, "Oh, they're the same." And you'd be like, "Well, they," I'll like you know do their stretches, and I'm like, "Well, they can you know turn their neck like." 100% 100% better than they did last you know that sort of stuff so yeah. I think as owners it's hard for us to see those small accomplishments too because we're focused on like one you know one thing we're like well, we want this thing to be better and we're not seeing the small steps that need to happen before it gets yeah. to where we want
0: it. Yeah and I think we're also I, don't know, I had a know how vet say to me over the weekend you know that sometimes you have to You have to walk away from the situation and come back to see the difference. Um, Because otherwise, if you're just, what did he say? He's like, I tell, this was a vet at OSU. He's like, I tell some of the students all the time that, you know, we're here constantly with these horses under a microscope. And we're looking at every single little thing that if we weren't here watching them under that microscope, those little things would be happening and they would be fine. Yeah. So have you had any like equine adventures or like, um, you know, some sort of adventure on horseback that um, you could share with us? Oh my God.
2: I wish I'd had more equine adventures. Um, When I was younger, instead of going on like regular vacations, you know, people like go to Florida or go to Disney World, we would go trail riding. We'd go like, oh, that's awesome um and camping and trail riding for a week. And so those were super, super fun. Um, but obviously that's, you know, twenty years ago.
1: Was so, that with your own horses?
2: Yeah, we'd bring our own horses, um, trail them down there and they'd have um stalls and they'd have a banquet hall and so we we had a gooseneck trailer and we'd sleep in the trailer. Um and the horses would be in the stalls and they would have uh like uh, like a banquet hall, and so they provide, like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they'd have organized trail rides, so, like, eight or nine in the morning, you'd go out, and they'd split into groups, you know, they'd have the walking horses on the fast trail rides, and they'd have, you know, the regular walk trot horses go on the slow trail rides, and you can either go, like, out half the day and be back by lunch, or go out, you know, all day and pack a lunch, and that sort of stuff, so, um and then usually have, like, rivers or, you know, stuff to, you know, go, tubing down a river you know the rest of the time so it was definitely super fun um but again 20 years ago I'm hoping I'll be able to do that with my kids at some point um when they're not tiny Um, that's pretty amazing
0: sounding actually
2: (laughs) I highly recommend it I don't know if I would go with my current horse uh I probably would he would be fine because we would, we had a lot of thoroughbreds out the track, and so um, sometimes it would get us into trouble. Because uh, we'd usually be the only ones writing English, and they so at some places they would have a bell that they would ring to like say like, hey, we're congregating and splitting off. And so I remember one time my mom had a, a more freshly off the track thoroughbred, and they rang that bell, and he just kind of lost his mind. <laughs> He thought it was and then of course my thoroughbred lost his mind too so it was just we couldn't go out that day <laughs> like, no way we're gonna make it so usually after about five or ten minutes on the trail they would settle down but it was definitely an experience taking thoroughbreds riding English on trail rides in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee because um, <coughs> you'd be like oh they're losing they're losing their shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it goes well the rest of the three hours uh, because I don't know how to get back. And so um, the only other kind of exciting horse adventure, um, it wasn't like riding, but I went in undergrad, they had this really great like study abroad opportunity where it was called um, Animals in Society. And so we it was like a a small elective with like 20 students and we was mostly field trips. So we would go visit like a poultry production plant in Ohio. We would visit like a cattle production plant. We go to the zoo, we went to the wilds and then we went to Ireland and visited all the same places. And so Mm -hmm. when we were in Ireland, we went to Galway, which had like a fox hunting museum. And I, that I need that is on my bucket list of life to go back to go fox hunting in Galloway because they're like, Yeah, sometimes we run out horses and you know, we go on rides and stuff like that. I'm like, Yep, I wish we could do that right now. Why aren't we doing that? <laughs> um, but that was a, a highlight um, horse experience. And I guess the only other one is just when I finally had my horse here, I lived in Hilliard at the time right next to the Prairie Oaks, um, Metro park. So like within two blocks. Yeah. And so I would be able, when I was, when I could ride, I would just go trail riding by myself, um, or with other people if they were there, but I just get done with, you know, work or school or whatever and, and go out. And that was, I feel like it's one of the areas my horse excels (laughs) (laughs) rider by himself. So he'll go out and just, hang out and puts along and you know if they're a deer if there are other things he doesn't kill me so I appreciate that and so that was probably the most relaxing part of a adventure sort of thing but I haven't been on that many adventures lately when they're not continuing education adventures
1: <laughs> <laughs> not your current life stage huh
2: yeah no I mean I the last adventure, like work adventure, I just went to Mancus, Colorado to learn advanced chiropractic techniques. So, I mean, that was an adventure and it involved horses, but it was... I I think my personal horse horse life (laughs) and my work horse life are just melding together into like just being a conglomeration. of the same thing.
1: (laughs) Hazards of being a professional, I imagine.
2: Yes, professional horse girl means always horses, all the time.
0: Always horses, all the time.
1: (laughs) So our next question is about horsey hacks. Do you have a non-horse product that you love to use at the barn?
2: Oh, I have a lot of, I have some of those, and usually it's more so it's the other way around where I have horsey products that I use at home. (laughs) Horse products that I use at home or vet products, like um, my husband, laughs that uh because of my oldest daughter is six so when she has a loose tooth i'll take like some hemostats like some veterinary like grabbers and use them <laughs> to just yank her tooth out <laughs> and so he's like that's awful and i'm like hold just hold still i got stuff in the garage like i got a surgery kit or something <laughs> um but no the most of the things at the barn that are regular life things are baby stuff so i have a chestnut with three white legs who has sensitive skin and he always gets that little like scurfy cruddy stuff um on his pasterns when in, especially if he gets turned out in the mornings or like at, if he just turned out at night like um his feet get too wet and he gets all that gross stuff yeah um so my favorite thing is to put desitin on it then you put the Destin on before you turn them out. And then it's like this nice barrier and then they don't get that gross stuff on them. Uh, and the only other thing is burp cloths. Burp cloths work for everything. Burp cloths and baby <laughs> wipes work for every single thing on the planet. Um, they're great for drying. The And uh, baby wipes are good at getting, <laughs> getting anything out of your clothes, poop, uh, sometimes blood, you know, everything, not anymore, but like, when I used to do regular vet stuff and there'd be bloody stuff. it would be like, baby wipes. Take care of everything.
1: I'm a big baby wipe believer too at the barn. I don't know what I would do without them. (laughs) Me too. Does Pippin
2: Um, have sensitive skin? Does he need special baby wipes?
1: uh, I don't think so. I'm actually not sure. I already buy like the pretty basic baby wipes, like just water or like sensitive skin, baby wipes. I don't know why, but that's what I buy. Yeah.
2: Well, we no, keep I'm- them Bring you some baby wipes next time I see you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we keep them in the car for the dogs too. It's like a, it's like a regular part of our pack out stuff. Yeah, Super. Can work.
1: I'm glad well, you just said that. Cause we're about to take our dog on a trip tomorrow. I'm oh. definitely going to remember to pack baby wipes now.
0: Oh, I can give you lots of tips. I need to send you a list <laughs> that you can get together before tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what about a uh, a horse product that you just really, really like? What's a horse product that you really like?
2: Oh, well, this is, uh, is going to be me being a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I love... Equine Senior feed. Oh. So in my practice, I see a lot of older geriatric horses. And even before that, you know, in regular practice, I would see a fair amount of geriatric horses because I liked doing teeth. And so I love Equine Senior because it's a complete feed. And you're like, here is your Equine Senior. You're set for all your vitamins and minerals. You're good to go. And I actually just um, switched my horse over because he's a delicate chestnut flower. And so um, I think, I hope, I hope, and I think that most thoroughbreds, um, you know, when they shed out in the spring and you're like, Oh God, they're skinny. uh, I hope I'm not the only one who does that. I need to like put a reminder in my calendar, like, you know, two months beforehand, like start feeding him more. Um, (laughs) But so my horse is 18 so we just started feeding him equine senior and his coat is amazing and he's finally gaining weight again and because he usually dips a little bit in his weight in the winter just from being in a little bit more but I love equine senior and the only other other like not feed or I guess not as nerdy thing um is uh, has, I don't know if any of you have ever used like the Equiband system or like the Pessoa stuff. Oh, I am not a fan the official,
0: of. but sort of the unofficial version that um, uno- our, our saddle fitter has, I don't remember what it's called, but it's like Equiband.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like the Equiband and I'm not going to lie. I am a cheapo because I think you'll find most veterinarians are very frugal. Uh, that i just take two polos and tie them together <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: because it's more just about like the the reminder for them it doesn't have to be like tight or anything like that it's just like hey use your butt hey use your butt like there's something behind yeah. it yeah and so i i love that because sometimes uh, sometimes meaning all the time uh i plan to go out and ride my horse and i don't leave enough time to actually ride him so he gets lunged a lot and so, <laughs> um so then i'll use that a lot with like a surcingle so he actually gets a workout and it's really funny because after 10 minutes he is blowing he is like oh my god what has happened <laughs> I just did leg day and back and butt day I'm really <laughs> tired. But then it gets really tired, and I feel like I've accomplished something in a very short amount of time. It's an efficiency tool
0: i I love that you um actually liked a grain product, though, as one of your favorite favorite products because I feel like so often vets are kind of like, yeah, grain shmain, you know, they're kind of like even with dog food, they're like, yeah, dog food, you know, unless there's like a special need. Um, and then they're very specific, but, uh, Danny currently is on equine senior active. Oh. Um, yeah. So it's equine senior and then it has, um, amplify in it as a, you know, a little fat builder. Um, and yeah, I like that it, um, it has that sweet smell. So it's very enticing, but it's very low in the sugars as well. So I don't have to worry about it as much as i would a sweet feed so
2: yeah yeah i agree i love it because it's always difficult too there are probably you know so many older horses that haven't you know have really low grade cushings or metabolic syndrome too and you're like okay what are we going to give them that's not going to like throw them over the edge um but so much of it just starts with nutrition and i always get a little i don't want to like baffled when there's just this like endless list of supplements too and i'm like what are you feeding like let's start with a good solid feed and then we'll add you know the supplements and stuff like that because as long as they're digesting their food really well you you shouldn't need like that many i mean given there are cases where you need a lot of supplements but i mean you shouldn't be needing like 10 supplements you know yeah then you're like you're probably missing something Right, cats, I still have a preference for food. So, thanks for joining
1: <laughs> us, Dr. Bucci. Yeah, it was, was awesome. Happy
2: to see you, ladies. <laughs> but, anyone, or if you guys have any other questions or any concerns or anything, you guys can always text or email. My email is drbucci at terrainpointvet.com. So, it's always a good way to ask the, the fun questions.
1: So thanks everybody for listening in on our episode Thank about you. horse girl going horse pro. Yeah. We had a great talk with Dr. Michelle Bucci and on mm-hmm. our next episode, we want to talk about horse rescue.
0: Yeah. I'm we super have our friend Kara
1: Cortman coming on. She has four rescue horses of yeah. her own. That's going to be great. Yeah. So we're looking forward to bringing that to you soon. I know we've had a little bit of a break in our episodes kind of throughout the spring, but now that I'm on summer break, I feel like maybe we can ramp back up and post a little more regularly. So we're there looking we forward to bringing that to you um, shortly.
0: Yay. So All right, everybody. See you around. See you in the saddle. Enjoy the ride.
1: Oh, see you in the saddle. I like that. <laughs> Enjoy the ride. Oh. Bye. Bye.